We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am joined, as always, by Andrew Mertig. Andrew, what's up? How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing really well. We had a great time bringing down the running backs and linebackers in the Packers draft class with Dan Dolkey last week. And we have another guest this week to talk about the, the Packers draft class. But Jacob Westendorf, one of the other hosts, pointed something out on Twitter today. This today is Packaday Podcast episode 666, Kyle. That's not <laughs> good. And if our guest wanted to just hang up and steer clear of all of the bad juju... Uh, that's totally fine because I don't know. Episode six 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 sounds kind of scary. Yeah, we uh, honestly probably should have gotten someone else to do this episode, but like you said, instead we've invited a very special guest to go down along with us for episode six 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 here. So uh, sorry about that, Joe, and I'm apologizing to our guest even before we've introduced him. So let's do that. Um, we are super excited to have Joe Marino from the Draft Network joining us today. You might also know Joe from the Draft Dudes podcast. 
Joe is an NFL draft analyst, a great evaluator of college football talent, and Joe produces a ton of quality content year-round, but especially in the months leading up to the draft. Uh, Joe joined us last spring to talk about the draft, and he's graciously agreed, for whatever reason, to join us again here. So uh, we're going to talk about what is probably one of the most polarizing and controversial classes that the Packers have really had in several decades, really. It's also one of the more criticized classes among national sports media. So even though the draft is almost a month in the rearview mirror, we're still diving in and getting to know these prospects who will be key pieces to this Packers roster for the next several years. So Joe is here to help us with that task. So welcome back to the Pack-A-Day podcast, Joe. Appreciate the uh, the return invitation, and uh, yeah, you guys definitely left out that little nugget uh, about the, <laughs> the the episode number here until after the record button was pushed, so I'll stick around, but man, you can't feel too good about that. We won't tell you the long list of people who told us that they weren't going to do the podcast, and we just stopped <laughs> telling everybody. <laughs> so before we actually get started, I wanted to say a few things. So we, we we had Ben Solak on the show before the draft, and I was reflecting on when when I was a kid. You know, I would cut out mock drafts from the newspaper. If I got really lucky, I might be taking a trip somewhere, and my parents would bribe me to behave by buying me a draft guide. And then, like, I got into high school, and we had some limited internet access and I would print out some mock drafts from across the web. Um, You know, draft coverage has changed a lot, but there has never been a source that provides the kind of in-depth collection of knowledge that the Draft Network does. And I don't say that just because Joe and Ben have been guests on the show. Like, seriously, I love absolutely everything that you're doing over at TDN. I'm a proud premium member. Like, you know, you get all the perks with that. You get trades in the mock draft and individual treat team draft guides you get the wild wild west of the private slack channel and it's 30 (laughs) bucks a year which in my estimate is a massive bargain so you could just get that now and you'd get all the great content to review this year's draft plus you get all the coverage of 2021 and i'd honestly just donate 30 dollars without all the extras because i love what you do so much just everything is perfect it's it's the dream for people that nerd out over the draft so it sounds like an ad. It isn't. I just wanted to say I appreciate everything you do. Um, and anytime we can promote what our guests uh, are bringing to the table, especially when it's something as quality as TDN, I, I just want to do that. Man, I, I really, really appreciate that. It's very kind of you. And, and you know, I, we're really proud of the work we've been able to do, what we've been able to create and, you know, what we just wrapped up our, our second full draft cycle. And so, I uh, appreciate your support, and uh, I can just say that we're still in the infant stages of what we have planned and really excited to roll out even more content and features and structure that I think will continue to build upon a strong foundation. So, yeah, you know, look, I wasn't expecting you to say any of that stuff, but, uh, you know, I just wanted to extend a, a sincere thank you for your support and uh, the endorsement there. Of course. Kyle, when you're doing a mock draft, you can click on the player and they instantly bring up the draft profiles and you can scroll through all of the experts and what they have to say about that player. So cool. I know you know that. Anyways. I'm like, I spend half my day on that website, man. Kyle's the one who turned me on to it originally like two years ago. So um, anyways, we actually have to ask you some questions today. Uh, You know, the package trading up for Jordan Love at 26 was the talk of the first round this year. It certainly caused a lot of shock and awe within Packers fandom and Twitter spheres. So what are your thoughts on Love as a draft prospect? And do you think it makes sense to draft him in the first round with an expectation he's not going to play right away? 
It's uh yeah, you know, it's it's one of those that I think I've I've considered every angle on this thing and trying to make sense of it and and look into the reasons for the pick and I think the further I distance myself from that moment when you hear Roger Goodell say the pick is Jordan Love quarterback to uh the Packers the more you you can kind of get it. I will say that there's so much that I do love about um this opportunity for Jordan Love because I didn't view him as a player that I thought was a, a day one starter. And that's different, right? I mean, you look at the, the landscape of quarterbacks picked in the first run, they, they, they play in the, in, in their first season and, and, you know, definitely by year two. And it doesn't necessarily seem like that's the case here for Jordan love, which makes me like this pick more because a lot of the concerns that I had about Jordan love were things that I thought would take time to correct. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say a bad thing about, his physical ability, arm talent, mobility. He can make every play, every throw in the playbook. You know, the, the entire playbook is open for you and more because he's such a good athlete. He's got great uh, throwing motion. There's, there's a whole lot to work with here, but it's the mental side that I thought he needed to get down. And, you know, I think a lot of people have talked about the interceptions he threw this year, but the discouraging thing for me is that they're the same interceptions I saw him throw in 2018. And, and I had done a lot of work on Jordan Love leading into the season because I, I was going to that Wake Forest game, I think was in week one. And I, so I really wanted to have a good grasp on love because I knew he was a big time prospect. So I, I focused heavily on that tape. And then I, of course, followed him throughout 2019. And I'm just like, you've got to get these coverage rotations down. You need to be able to understand where those safeties are going to roll, where where the zone defenders are going to be and stop and stop forcing the football into spots that it can't go. And so when you don't have any concerns about any of the stuff you can't teach in terms of arm talent, mobility, the ability to work off script and make throws on the run, that stuff I'm not concerned about. It's a mental side. I really do like the idea that they brought him into a situation where there's no urgency or stress to play right away. And we've seen the Packers make this type of transition before in their history. Uh, so once you get past the shock value and you, you go back to principles like, it's important to keep investing in the quarterback position. And if the Packers want to be good, like for a long time, having that answer in place makes a lot of sense. And, you know, maybe there is some disconnect between the amount of time that Aaron Rodgers wants to continue playing versus how much longer the Packers want him to be their quarterback. But I'm not, I don't think we should be so quick to criticize teams for continuing to invest in the most important position in sports. And I mean, there's kind of like a silver lining here also that Aaron Rodgers knows exactly what Jordan love is going through. So as much as we can sit here and say that Aaron Rodgers has a big ego and you know, he wants to continue to play. You've probably done two really good things. You've probably created a, a big old chip on Aaron Rodgers' shoulders to get the best version of himself over the next few years as he, you know, in his final days is the starting quarterback for the green Bay Packers. But you get a guy that has been in the role of the guy behind him. And I think he can appreciate that and as a human being do the right thing in terms of guiding him along. And, you know, maybe Aaron Rodgers will finish his career somewhere else and maybe that's not something Packers fans want to hear. But I, at the end of the day, I can't criticize them for continuing to invest in the quarterback position. I like the skill set and I like it even more in a situation where he doesn't have to play right away. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think there's so many variables to this situation that I think that's what makes Packer fans really nervous. We don't know when we're going to see him play. We don't know when the pick is going to pay off, if the pick is going to pay off. And, you know, like uh, quarterbacks around the league, say Sam Darnold, 
Baker Mayfield, uh, even Josh Allen, who you're very familiar with. Um, we kind of have some insight into who those guys have become in just a couple seasons. And with this love pick, we're probably not going to have any clue maybe at that stage just a couple years down the road what kind of player this guy's going to be. Um, you've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly of Jordan Love as you've watched his tape. Um, let's look down the road a little bit more here. And if in 10 years Jordan Love is an established, highly successful NFL starter, what part of his game would you say that he most likely improved upon to get to that place? Yeah, I think it's decision making. And it's not just it's not just looking at interception stats and saying, well, he's got to become a dis- better decision maker. It comes from understanding pre-snap what you're seeing and and what that means post-snap and you know computing that in your mind and making the right decision with the football and understanding where the coverage is soft and where you should attack it. And I think that comes from becoming a better processor, reading the defense more consistently and cleanly, and then making your progressions, making your decisions of where you go with the football more indicative of what you learn by pre-snap and post-snap read. So it's it's all between the years. That's where the growth has to come. I mean, he, there's not a throw he's not going to be able to make. He's good off script now. He can, he can run. I mean, all that stuff is there. It's just can he dial in the mental side of the game uh, to match what he offers physically? So if, if, if what you say is true, it's because he took major strides with decision-making and mental processing. Yeah, so after the Jordan Love selection in the first round, most most Packer fans thought Green Bay is going to go uh, back to the well and take another receiver in the second round like they do seemingly every few years and, and strike gold. And instead, what we saw with, with most of the top receiver options off the board, Brian Gutekunst went and took a running back, uh, A.J. Dillon out of Boston College. So as surprising as Jordan Love was as draft selection, this probably was a little bit more of a shock. Um, I don't think very many people thought running back was going to be super high on the Packers' uh, list of needs. But what kind of player do you think the Packers got in A.J. Dillon? Well, I'm not I'm not the biggest A.J. Dillon fan, so I'll, I'll lead off with that. Um, but what they did get is a, a really impressive blend of size and speed, right? You don't see guys with his measurables – that can get to that top gear and he's going to present, you know, quite the wrecking ball to attack the line of scrimmage. And, you know, I mean, I know it's the NFL, but nobody wants to deal with 240, 250 pounds coming at you at the rate of speed that AJ Dillon can, where I get nervous with AJ Dillon is that I'm not sure what else he is besides just a really big fast guy. You know, you watch him play at Boston college gap power scheme runways are created for him and he just kind of gets the ball and goes. And I think at the NFL level, there's a lot more to playing running back. I mean, especially for a one-cut runner, that's his style. You know, for me watching him play, I didn't see a lot of great timing and decision-making with his plant foot. And so if you're going to be a one-cut runner, I want to see that you know how to press the line of scrimmage, you know when to stick your foot in the dirt, and you know when to plant off it to make your blocks right. You know, I just didn't see enough of that at Boston College, and I thought – you know, all right, I got this big fast guy, and that's that's good. That's a very good trait. But does he have enough nuance, timing, pace? Is his process good enough to be, you know, a meaningful running back in the NFL? But for, for where Green Bay took him, he better be right. I mean, that, that's a pretty high selection for a running back in this day and age. And when I started to think about before the draft, before he belonged to a team, I'm I'm thinking, okay, what role? Where does AJ Dillon fit? Where could he go that would that would reach his potential? And what I kept going back to was. Uh, if you guys remember Gus Edwards, he still plays for the Ravens. That that role that he played, you know, kind of like a a higher set 
uh, back, almost a true fullback, if you will, in terms of when he hand, they handed the ball off to him. And, and it's just like a quick runways created, get him the ball and ask him to go. And if you can create those runways and get him going, he's, he's going to be a whole lot to deal with. But, you know, if you, if you're going to ask him to anticipate creases and, and, and manipulate the second level because of footwork behind the line of scrimmage, it's not going to be his game. So, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see how he fits in. I do think he compliments Aaron Jones well, um, but I'm not sure that he compliments him in a better way than Jamal Williams, who I think Jamal Williams gives you incredible ability as a pass blocker. You know, that's an underrated part of what he brings to the table. So, you know, I, really a rich selection for me in terms of where I value A.J. Dillon uh, compared to where he was picked. You know, and if he can fill that role and present another layer to this offense, then, you know, that's great. But I don't know. I don't know if I saw a nuanced enough player to think, okay, second round pick, big part of my offense. Yeah. Aaron Jones being in a contract year is a huge deal when evaluating this pick and trying to envision what the Packers have in mind. Personally, if A.J. Dillon is the replacement plan for Aaron Jones, I think that this pick is pretty disappointing just because they're such different runners and we've seen how explosive and special of a playmaker that Jones really is. Uh, but if the plan with Dylan is to be that kind of compliment role, as you kind of mentioned, I think you can get kind of excited about the idea behind this pick. And again, the place that they took him is an interesting question to consider. Um, but you mentioned the gap power and then obviously Green Bay runs um, a version of the zone. So it's going to be really interesting to see how he fits and how they use him. Yeah. And, and that's your, I mean, that's what it comes down to is maybe they want to be more multiple with their run scheme because it's, it's on surface level. It's really not a great fit, but who knows like how they're going to evolve this role. And, and maybe AJ Dillon is a player that, you know, you take them high, but you know, you want to use multiple backs and maybe they do let Aaron Jones walk or, uh, they, they have a different plan at running back. But I mean, I, I literally cannot fathom AJ Dillon as a lead back in a wide zone offense. It did that. That's really strange to me. So uh, I had some, I think I had some mostly positive vibes on that Jordan love pick as a, as the dust settled. But you know, I, I don't necessarily feel the same about this AJ Dillon selection. Yeah. And then, uh, the Packers, uh, after some head scratching from, from, uh, Cheesehead nation in the first and second round, Went ahead and drafted Josiah DeGuerra in the third round, and taking an H back that high is, well, let's say interesting, but uh, it clearly shows a change in the philosophy of Matt LaFleur's offense. Um, outside of the value of the pick, what do you think of DeGuerra as a player and maybe his fit in an NFL offense? I like DeGuerra a ton. I really do. This was, um, man, he popped. They played UCLA early in the year last year, and and I fell in love with him watching that game and went back and did some more work on him. And then, of course, scouted him throughout the rest of the season, wrote a report. I like his game a lot. Um, I mean, man, I hate to be super cliche and cheesy, but like the dude's a football player and, and, and he can fill so many roles. I mean, not that he's like this dominant physical skill set, but I think he can block in line. I think he can block on the move. I think he can win vertically as a receiver. He can create after the catch and he competes his ass off. I mean, like from the makeup of, of the way he plays the game, I mean, you're going to fall in love with this guy. Everyone's going to point back to that interception that uh, Cincinnati threw or UCLA, you know, picked off the ball and DeGuara just showed unbelievable effort to go chase that guy down. And I mean, like maybe that's overstated, but man, you, you love that competitive fire and it translates to everything he does. And so, 
you know, you want to get more multiple on offense. You think about what uh, what San Francisco does with Kyle Hughes check. Uh, you want to get some misdirection going and, and find a guy that you can leak into space and throw the football that can challenge a seam a little bit, uh, that can be used as a versatile blocker out on the perimeter and in bunch sets. I mean, he's going to add more multiplicity to your offense. So maybe it feels a little high for a third round pick, but I think his value is going to be something that is going to matter a lot. Maybe it's not always going to be measured in the box score, but I think what this guy does for your offense is really exciting and, uh, and and it it goes back to I think more of uh, building this scheme that I think um, puts a little bit more stress on defenses in other ways than just Aaron Rodgers threading coverage all the time. You're adding more versatility with your skill sets, which creates more scheme multiplicity. And I think Deguar does that. So is it a round earlier than maybe I thought he would go? Sure, but when you see more creativity on offense and and more sets and formations and different ways that'll challenge defenses horizontally and vertically, like. I, I can get behind this pick a lot, and I think he'll be good for the locker room, and I think he'll be a fan favorite very very quickly in Green Bay. So one thing he's, I think we – go ahead, Andrew. Oh, I was just going to say, like, he's got to get a name, though, that the fan base can just, like, yell out, right? Like, isn't, isn't that what we're expecting out of fullbacks? <laughs> no? uh, okay. Sorry, Joe's not going to humor us on our coon uh, yeah, Well, I'm no, I, I wanted to. Uh, guys, I wanted to. I'm sitting there, Josiah DeGuara. That just uh, th- that doesn't give yeah, me yeah. anything to work with. So, JD, I don't know. Maybe you got to go yeah. with JD there. So. It's too, too many syllables for too, sure. Way too many. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, not, it's not the John Coon. It doesn't have the same ring to it um, to, to, to say from the stands there. But um, I think something I think as I've kind of considered these selections – is clearly the Packers gave up their fourth round pick to go up and get Jordan Love. And I just kind of wonder if they really liked um, the Dylan Dylan as maybe like a third round option. Maybe they liked DeGuara like in the fourth, maybe more like where people thought he would go. And they liked those guys enough just to bump them up around since they didn't have a fourth round pick and to get those guys. But um, really interesting to see how this guy incorporates into the offense. Obviously something that Lafleur's excited about. We heard some reports that Lafleur went to the scouting department early last last year. I think it was maybe even around uh, that play uh, where he chases down the interception and said, this is a guy I want. So it's a guy he's had an eye on for a long time. Excited to see how he does end up fitting this team. Um, but it seems like the Packers know that day three is kind of like throwing darts sometimes. Uh, so they did something kind of funny. They picked three offensive linemen in the, the sixth round, um, probably hoping to hit on one, maybe just maybe two of those guys if they got really, really lucky. Um, they took Michigan's John Runyon Jr., a tackle they project inside his guard, guard Simon Stepaniak out of Indiana, and Oregon center Jake Hansen. Uh, Joe, I know that we're talking about six-round six picks here, but uh, do any of those guys get you excited about their developmental upside? Yeah, well, I, I'm glad you you led with that. I know we're talking about six-round picks because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to slander teams for lottery tickets at the end of the draft, you know, hoping you can find some meaningful depth here on the offensive line, which I appreciate because in recent years, you know, that the, the depth of the Packers' offensive line has very much been stressed, and we've seen that have a negative impact on their success in, in, at times. So get, getting offensive line, line depth is never a bad idea. However, I think these picks aren't going to move the needle much for me. I didn't have draftable grades on any of these guys. And, and I'll tell you, like, not to like really just bury a guy, but Runyon, Runyon was really disappointing for me on tape. I think you go into it, right, knowing that he's John Runyon's son and you feel like you're going to see a good football player. But I thought just the technique was was really all over the place. 
you're expecting a big physical guy like his dad was, and you see like a pretty soft anchor and a guy that just didn't have the physicality. And I thought his tape was rough. I maybe he'll be better on the inside. You know, he played tackle at college, um, but um, you know, he he was the guy that I think maybe it was expectations that I had going into the watch, but he really underwhelmed me. You know, Jake Hansen, I didn't have a draftable grade on as well. So, you know, I don't, I look, I could certainly be wrong about these players, but I, I, I don't know that there was the upside value that I would hope to find in a late round lottery ticket, if you will. So you heard Joe say it here first, the Packers took three all pros in the sixth <laughs> round of the 2020 yeah. draft. <laughs> You well, are, I like that. Really... I like Elton Jenkins last year, you know. So like, <laughs> we can we can redeem there. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's, it's uh, me and me and uh, GM Kootengast, however you say his name. We we didn't see eye to eye on these six round picks. I I feel like you just cut out the heart of Packer Nation and and stomped it on the curb with uh, slandering John Runyon. <laughs> because I mean, every, guys... everybody was totally in love with him leading up to the draft, and so. Uh, I, I, I don't know if it's name recognition uh, because he played at a big program next door or uh, what, what the, the love affair is with John Runyon, but people are really, really high on him. My tape, my, my scouting report is, is not, is not glowing. <laughs> um, so, I mean, look, I, I mean, it's up, my thoughts are fully fleshed out there, but I mean, I, I mean, literally just go back to the tape, watch it, see, see for yourself the, the way he plays the game and let me know. I mean, let me know how much optimism you have about that guy blocking, uh, you know, Everson Griffin and, uh, you know, the, whoever in the NFL, they're all good players. So I, I have my concerns about him. Flipping the switch, somebody that I loved, and I know I know you're pretty high on as well as Jonathan Garvin. And I, I when I factored in his age and his RAS score, mm. I ended up ranking him incredibly high on my Packers board. In fact, higher than I would ever admit with uh, you actually on the podcast. But the the Packers were able to get him in the seventh round, and I thought he was really the steal of their draft. Uh, what do you think he can bring to a team that already has the Smith brothers and Rashawn Gary? Yeah, I had him as a top 100 player for me, so I don't know where you had him, but I, I love John Garvin. I had a third-round grade on him. I think he's give. I mean, from a traits perspective, it's all there. I mean, he's got length. He's got explosiveness. Um, he's young, like you said. I don't think he turns 21 till July, uh, so he's mm-hmm. a young football player. Um, he, he's not consistent. I mean, that's the thing. You watch his tape, and you're going to be like, why can't you? Why can't your your high flashes on tape be more consistent because, you know, it feels like he turns it on and off and maybe that's what push him down the, the board a bit. And maybe there's some personality stuff there, you know, he's going to have to take some, some mentorship and some coaching, but from a traits perspective, he deserved to be picked a whole lot higher. And, and, you know, he had some good production at Miami as well. So I think he gives you length. That gives you, he gives you really nice flexibility. You know, I think he can beat the beat offensive tackles around their outside hip. I think he's got good power. Um, but you know, certainly some more time in the weight room, finding more consistency, being being more of a uh, a high motor player all the time. But man, like I think this is a really exciting ball of clay. You know they've got good pass rushers, obviously Green Bay. So you put these this guy as a, as a developmental edge on this football team and think about what he can be in year two, year three. I think he's got a real high ceiling. And and I really like the fact that he brings something different to that room. Um, they have you know the big physical guys who are going to get there with with power and and a little bit of speed. And, and Garvin's more of you know that twitched up dude. And I, I'm hoping he can really just step right into that Kyler Fackrell role and uh, contribute maybe a little bit in year one. 
Well, yeah, I certainly can. It won't be anything physically that's going to keep him from from carving out a role early in his career. So this was, I mean, like I said, top 100 player. He goes in the seventh round. So I obviously think this is a plus, plus, plus value. And we're talking about a pass rusher. It's it's a meaningful position. And so this was, you know, I love the DeGuara pick, but uh, I think I like this one more. And I, I'm going to throw one more question at you that we didn't prepare you for, but uh, I, I know uh, my my guilty pleasure is my AFC team, the team that I like to root for when I'm not rooting for the Packers is the Buffalo Bills, and and that's a team you happen to know a little bit something about. <laughs> um, so so can you tell us what you liked about the Bills draft this year? What I liked about the Bills draft, well, I, I'll I'll start with their first pick, AJ Epinesa. The Bills. You know, they they let Shaq Lawson and, and um, Jordan Phillips walk in free agency, but they went out and drafted A.J. Epinesa. They signed Mario Addison. They signed Vernon Butler. I, I had Oliver in year two. Uh, they had a lot of depth already in, in, in quality players. I love the depth of their defensive line. And Sean McDermott, the head coach, loves to rotate guys in, and he's never had this deep of a group. I mean, obviously the Bills are known for their defense. It's been top three the last two years, but – when you have this type of depth up front, I think it, it can really come to another level this year. But my favorite pick that they made was Zach Moss, to be honest with you. And I'm not like a big running back guy, but I think him and Devin Singletary is a very ideal uh, backfield situation. You've got two rookies or, or you, well, you know, two players on their rookie deal that were third round picks. So you don't have a whole lot of money tied up in your top two running backs. And the Bills are kind of a 60-40 team when it comes to the running back situation. The, the Bills aren't weren't mad at Devin Singletary. They just want two guys to carry the load. And uh, I think Singletary and Moss are a great complementary group. And, and for me, when I looked at the Bills roster and I thought about where it could get better, I think it's a very complete roster. But I, right now, their, their RB2 going into the draft was TJ Yeldon. And if he's going to get 150 touches next year, I thought that was low-hanging fruit to upgrade the football team. And so to get Zach Moss in the third round, not only from the skill set, but the economic side of that, as the Bills have some players that uh, are coming out of their rookie deals and, and the salary cap gets a little bit more challenging to manage, I really love that Buffalo has you know less than $2 million invested in their top two backs who are young, fresh players uh, for the next three seasons as, as the rest of their roster mature. So that, that, I mean, I love their first two picks. I personally really liked a lot of what the bills did in the off season in general. You mentioned some of your favorite picks there. I'm going to say my favorite pick was a pick that they didn't even actually make. And that was sending number 22 overall for Stefan Diggs, just purely to get him out of the NFC North. <laughs> so we, we as Packers nation really thank the bills uh, for helping us out with that one. Yeah, uh, so that, I mean, you look, the Bills had to get another wide receiver. That was the, always going to be the plan with pick 22. Well, as soon as it became clear that Ruggs, Lamb, Judy weren't getting to 22, why not go get the friggin' veteran? I mean, he's got like a, a team-friendly deal for the next four years. He's your do-everything guy for Josh Allen, and and I think the Bills view themselves as a team that could make a run. They could win a playoff game and see what happens, and you know, they needed that guy. They needed that go-to guy. They scored 19 points against the Houston Texans in the playoffs last year. Texans were a bad defense. And so uh, giving Josh Allen that true number one receiver that you wanted to draft at 22, well, go give give it to the Vikings for Stephon Diggs and uh, get your answer. And then, you know, of course, make Packers fans happy. And and Diggs is the guy I always wanted to hate in purple, but just couldn't bring myself to do it because he's just such a good football player and he seems like a good dude off the field too. So 
happy yeah, for he's, Buffalo. He's got a lot of passion and fire, and I mean that's that, that's a lot. What you, you the Bills are a really competitive group. I mean Josh Allen, you could say what you want about him, but that dude competes his ass off, and I think. I think he'll mesh well with the culture that Sean McDermott's built and uh, certainly help this offense score some more points and, and have a better chance to have more postseason success in 2020. Well, Joe, we really do appreciate you taking the time uh, to join us. Some great insight on the Packers 2020 draft, uh, as well as some bonus content on the Buffalo Bills and a formal goodbye to Stephon Diggs from the NFC North. Uh, before we let you go, uh, why don't you just go ahead, tell our listeners where they can find you on Twitter and what you guys have going on over at the Draft Network. Yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter at the Joe Marino. A lot of content, so if you want to keep up with it, that'll be the best spot for you. The Draft Network, I mean, we've, we've spent uh, this month really kind of outlining our plan for year three and I'll tell you, um, we've, we're really excited about where we're going and, and things that are going to be happening and how we're structuring things to invest a whole lot more in our premium side, but also just our, our normal website features that everyone enjoys. So I think, um, you know, it, it's, it's an exciting time for us. And, and you know, we, we're really pumped about what's coming down the, the pipeline here and certainly appreciate the opportunity to share that for coming on with you guys. And of course, uh, for the kind words at the beginning of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, make sure you guys give Joe a follow on Twitter. He really is an awesome follow. Tons of great content. And then make sure you stay connected to the Draft Network as well year-round as they continue to pump out, uh, again, awesome content for everybody. Again, Joe, it's been absolutely awesome to have you come on the show. Thanks so much uh, for taking the time to join us and coming back on the Packaday Podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, and that is all the time we have for today. This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. We'll be back next week with more coverage of the offseason. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember... Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.